The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. I'm Dave Alexander. This is Dr. Franklin Weefold. How you doing, sir? Doing very well. It's a great day, and I hope you're having a good day. Uh, yeah, we're all right. Now, we're going to talk about wokeism, killing medical education. I think I, we've talked about wokeism a time or two. Uh-oh. Um, and we're, we'll discuss it. Well, you know, it's for me, wokeism is when I get up in the morning after working 14 <laughs> hours yesterday, am I woke? And I don't mean woke in the sense of politically correct. Yeah, but uh, this is a a really important issue for cardiologists. Are you woke? You mean? And the question is, did you get enough sleep? Oh, really? Okay. Because I they we have now added. No, they have now added. Well, we will. I mean, okay. woke has two words. I mean, two meanings. Okay. But um, the American Heart Association has now added uh, uh, appropriate and uh, adequate sleep as one of the risk factors, and they think it's equal to high blood pressure, diabetes, family history, smoking, sedentary lifestyle, obesity, and now adequate sleep. Really? Absolutely. Because I remember an article or two that accused nappers of having health dangers because they were people who liked to nap. Okay, but why are they napping? Are they na- well, they're tired. Yeah, and why are they tired? Because they didn't get a good night's sleep. Right. See, oh. sleep at night is yeah. not just having your eyes closed, yeah. okay? I mean, you know, I wore my nicotine patch last night. Yes. And you know what happens when you do that? You're supposed to take it off when you go to bed. Oh, by know. the way. Yeah. Did I announce? You did last week. Four weeks now. Really? Yeah. Good Got my you. gum in, my patch on. But all you patchers out there. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Hmm. Vivid dreams yes. occur yes. when you wear the nicotine patch. And I'm telling you, I was back at, at uh, Johns Hopkins. Oh, my. And uh, my ex-wife was pregnant, and she had some rhythm disturbance. And I was arguing with the, with the uh, chief of electrophysiology, and then they took her into the lab. And, I mean, then I was walking around, and I got lost. And it was amazing. It yes. was actually a good dream. <laughs> um, in the sense that it was in color. And yeah. 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 So anyway, getting back to um, what we were talking about, um, stage three and stage four sleep, that yes. is when your um, body is completely shut down. Uh-huh. Okay? So you have to be paralyzed, and you have to be running on your reptilian midbrain. Yeah. You know, that's the same thing we have with a snake or some other reptile. It controls breathing. Yes. Since the muscles in your body are paralyzed, you have to have an open airway and breathe through your nose. 
So if you have sleep apnea where the muscles and the fat are obstructing the inflow, the passive inflow of air, you're not going to be able to do that because yeah. you will lose oxygen and your body won't let you suffocate. So it wakes you up. And okay. if you don't get three 20-minute cycles of stage four sleep, you will not be woke in the morning. Now, if you're a Democrat socialist, you'll be woke, <laughs> but you won't be woke. Okay. Okay. What I should say, awake, right? Yeah. I like, you know, I mean, I like using uh, slang. Yeah. And woke is woke. Um, so the bottom line is you've got to fix your sleep. If your sleep is bad, yeah. there are neurologists uh, who specialize in, in correcting sleep. And I think it's a fantastic subspecialty. And it's not just sleep apnea. Um, and then you can't, I can't tell you the number of people who refuse to have sleep tests. And they say, I'm not wearing a mask. I am not going to bed with a mask. I even had one woman say, how am I going to get a man if I've got a sleep mask? Mm, and I okay. said, how are you going to get a man if you fall asleep on him? <laughs> well, how about this? How are you going to keep a fella if you snore like a trucker? Yeah, you know. Pardon the, pardon the Do truckers, truckers snore? I don't know. I'm Let guessing. me tell you something. If a trucker's snoring, that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, because he's going to fall asleep trucking. The, the the whole snoring event, which some people just take as the normal part of getting older yeah. or gaining weight, that's significant, isn't it? Well, there is there is simple snoring. Okay, yeah. so um, my kids complained out the wazoo yep. that I snored so heavily they could wake up in the bed bedroom above us, <laughs> and so I got a home sleep test, which is very accurate. It's yeah. very simple. Um, they send you a kit, and it's got a thing you put on your finger. You just yep. sort of take off the green tape, and it activates it, and it measures the oxygen and the heart rate. Right. And it can even measure your blood pressure. It's really cool. You yeah. can feel it. Now, I don't know how accurate the blood pressure is, but the heart rate and the oxygen level is very accurate. Yes. Then you have a little sticky thing you stick on your chest, yeah. and it knows when you're breathing. And it can also tell whether you're struggling to breathe because your chest is vibrating yeah. when that happens. And I just had simple snoring. I mean, I had zero obstructive events, good. which is good. Now, sleep, at, I mean, sleep's uh, health can also be something called restless legs or periodic limb movement disorder. Remember I said you had to be paralyzed? Yeah. Well, some people can't be paralyzed. Their legs, budgie, as they say. They yeah. move around. They, yeah. they, they have happy feet. And that needs to be corrected, and it can be corrected. Now, remember, if you do have obstructive sleep apnea where the muscles in your throat and the fat in your throat prevent the opening, there's something new. We've talked about it, Inspire. And I am a big fan of the Inspire device. It's like a little pacemaker, but it's a breathing sensor, and it goes under the skin, and there are two small electrodes that go to muscles in your throat. Right. And then they design it based on looking at your muscles when you're sleeping. They do a what's called a an a uh, optical sleep test. They have a little thing in there with a camera, wow, seeing which muscles are opening at what time and not opening at what time. And they program this thing so that when you go to sleep and activate the device, yeah. you and it senses when you're breathing. It sends a signal that you can't feel. It's not like you're getting a shock. Yeah. It opens the muscles. And I tell you, Donnie Countryman has given me permission to talk about her health. Mm-hmm. She had sleep apnea. 15 years she was on the mask. But she, it was tested, it worked, et cetera. But she never felt quite right. Right. She has the Inspire, a new life. Wow. Lost 40 pounds because she could exercise. And she had the 
the appetite. And the other thing people don't realize, when you're tired, yes. what do you eat? Carbs. Sugar. Really? Yeah. And, well, carb, simple carbs, bread, you crave that. Yeah. Because that gives you the boost of excess sugar to the brain that can help feel like you're awake. Yeah. And, and so that's one way to lose weight is to get better sleep. Right. Okay? Because you're not going to be craving those simple carbs. So, yeah, um, add that to the eight. Now, there's eight essential risk factors. Right. Poor sleep. And if you can't fall asleep, that's a problem, too. Mm -hmm. And so that needs to be addressed. And you don't necessarily want to go on Restoril or a benzodiazepine. There may be non-medical things. Boy, I'm sounding like the people's pharmacy here today. It's all right. It's a hot bath. I wouldn't worry And about you know why warm milk does it? No, I don't Tryptophan. Know. Really? Yeah. And I believe in melatonin for certain people. Other people, it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, melatonin is a natural hormone that your body releases to help put you to sleep. So if you're not sleeping well, um, even if you don't have the cardiac risk factors, yeah. you want a better life. You want a better life. And so, I mean, you have you have the mask, right? I do have a mask. Have you thought about the Inspire? I've thought about the Inspire. I have actually gone for a home test because I even I just that's a good a idea. A you did a home test with the mask on, right? And I how did. and how effective was it? They it was effective. They told me that I clearly needed another machine because my machine is. 10 or 12 years old. What are you old. doing with that? Why don't you get a new machine? Okay, here's the thing. Are you that cheap? No. Let me just tell you that right now, you can't get a machine. Oh, because they took so many off the market. Because there's so many off the market. Yeah. And, so, and, and I got a phone call. This is so weird. I got a phone call from the people who sell me the machine. And they said... We're just touching base, Mr. Alexander. We still uh, yeah. can't get you a machine. I said, why don't you just call me when the machine is ready? Just yeah. call me when. They said, no, we, we're going to keep in touch with you to make sure. Yeah. I, as if I could find yeah. another machine somewhere else. Yeah. I can't. Lord so have mercy. It's the chip thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the other woke. Yeah. Uh, woke ideology. And let me tell you, there's a very brave doctor out there. Yeah. I mean. He is brave. Stanley Goldfarb. Yeah. And he wrote an editorial opinion column about wokeism in medical education. Right. And I would not doubt if he gets fired from his job. Oh, my. I mean, this is the way it's become. Uh, there was a guy at Princeton who was against the wokeism there. He got fired. Yeah. He was a tenured professor. Um, anyway, so what he is talking about is the admissions and testing policies. And he has witnessed firsthand as an attending physician yes. um, uh, students who were not prepared. And when he would try to correct them uh, and teach them, these students would say, you're a racist. Ah. You know, instead of there being an objective quality uh, um, assessment, right. both in testing and things like that. Now, the testing is supposedly racist because it talks about things that certain minorities might not experience socially. I don't know for sure. But let me tell you this. I went to Johns Hopkins from 1977 through 1987. Yes. Ten years. Yes. Okay. 
And um, no, I'm excuse me, 1981. That's when I graduated. I started Princeton in 1977. Graduated 81. Started Hopkins. Finished 80. So six year. The two smartest, by far and away, guys in my class were black. Yeah. And one's a neurosurgeon, and the other's a cardiac surgeon. Uh, they are top of the the heap in uh, medical education. And uh, one. The third one was yeah. a Vietnam veteran yeah. who had uh, been um, uh, wounded, and he was incredibly smart. Yes. And we, no one would have dared. Da- we got pimped. You yeah. know what that is? No. That's wow. when the attending would, would just ask questions until you said no, oh, I don't my. know, and embarrass you. Yeah. And can you, no one would have imagined. If uh, one of these top students, um, after 10 pimp questions, I mean, they went down the line Mm -hmm. to something really obscure until you said, I don't know. And then they say, you should know that. Saying that he was racist for doing that. And okay, if if I'm going to get in trouble with this, uh, if Curtis Media is going to get mad because I'm not towing the bottom line. I doubt. We have to be aware that uh, standards are standards. Right. And the other thing is that if people know that standards are relaxed, what about these guys who are really smart? Are patients going to wonder if they were let in with poor standards? Mm. And they're not. (laughs) I mean, if I had a brain tumor, I'm going to one of these guys. Yes. You know, um, since we got good cardiac surgeons here. Yeah. I'm going to go to Dr. Bolton. Yeah, good. But, you know, the bottom line is wokeism is uh, an ism that I think we have to reassess and ask ourselves, uh, are there objective criteria for excellence and quality? Yeah. Uh, and Or has racism uh, infected everything we do and that we have to stop what we're doing and, and account for that only? Yeah. And I'm very concerned about where we wind up. All right. This is Heart Health Radio. We're going to talk about a common supplement said to help with the risk of dementia. Also, doctors are telling patients to stop taking PPI. I don't know what that is, but you're going to explain it. Omeprazole, oh, Prilosec, Nexium, all those things. Them, them guys. And the yeah. doctors, are. It, the article says they're inappropriately telling people to stop them. We'll talk about why in just a moment. This is Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. And who are we shaming today? I am shaming, I guess, uh, maybe I shouldn't name these people, but I'm shaming the government. Okay, the government in general, I'm not yeah. going to name individuals, for allowing a million people to come across the border this year um, illegally. And, you know, they, they say that they're asking for asylum. You know what the law is on asking for asylum? Yeah, you ask and they nope. give it. Nope, 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 what? nope. You have to go to an official port of entry. And oh. there are like seven countries, seven All cities. Right. All right. None of them are on the southern border. And you have to go to an official port of entry. Yeah. Go to the customs or whatever federal government is and say, I declare that I am seeking asylum in the United States of America. 
Yeah. Okay. Then you declare the reasons. And there are very few reasons. Political is mainly that you'd be politically prosecuted. Sure. Um, being in danger of uh, crime yeah. is not a reason to, to, to get asylum. Okay. So anyway, yeah. what is happening, and I don't think people know this, the cartel is making, the drug cartels are making $5,000 per person. Do the math. Okay. Yeah, One million times 5,000 is $50 billion. I think, yeah. And so uh, what else are they doing? They are using a lot of these individuals as as mules. And a mule is somebody who carries drugs across the border. Yeah. And there are so many people that they can't screen them all for drugs. They can't do drug dogs all through all these million, this million people. Right. And we are now flooded with fentanyl. And then, since the medical board scared doctors into stop prescribing pain medication, mm-hmm. a lot of chronic pain people, and yes, a lot of illegal drug users are buying uh, drugs off the street. Right. Since we cut back on prescriptions by 80%, 70%, yeah. instead of lowering overdoses, overdoses have gone up 10%, I mean, tenfold. We More... The number one cause of death for young white people in this country is fentanyl overdose. Wow. And we're, we're killing our youth. And so there was a situation um, where uh, this is in Gadsden County. Is that Florida? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got a funny thing about Florida. Hold, remind me to tell you a funny thing about Florida. All right. Anyway, nine people in one night bought fentanyl from one dealer. Yes. Uh, thinking it was heroin. And the fentanyl is many, many fold more potent than heroin. And it's so cheap. They caught some mules with enough fentanyl in their, you know, packs to kill the entire city of New York. I'm not kidding. 10 million people. That's how much fentanyl is out there. And so what these kids are doing, they're buying Valium. Think they're buying, not Valium, Xanax. Yeah. And they, they just take the fentanyl yeah. and they stamp it in a thing to make it look like a Xanax. And if they don't cut it, it's pure fentanyl and they die. Yeah. They're taking a stamp and making what looks like a Percocet, yeah. which is the most sought after prescription drug. And I don't know if you know this, when you snort, and they snort it, they, they crush the mm-hmm. Percocet and snort it. And the reason, the veins in your nose can connect directly to the brain. And so you're getting this rush of narcotic into your brain. Well, they're snorting what they think is a 10 milligram Percocet, and it's a huge dose of fentanyl, and they're dropping dead, literally, from an overdose. So that's the shame. And, you know, you may think for other reasons that we don't want this situation, but but people, you know, crossing the border, so many people, a a million people, that's a large American city. They usually have, what, 20 hospitals? They have how many police? Right. And we're absorbing that every year. I mean, and and California now is going to give them free health care. Now, if I were in California and I didn't have free health care and I was a United States citizen and I paid taxes, wouldn't you be upset that somebody walking across the border is going to get free health care when you can't? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. But remember one thing. The cartels control the entire market of getting across the border. If you don't pay the cartel $5,000, you will not get across the border, and you may very well be killed. 
So this is a problem. It's a health problem. And it's a societal problem. Where are we going to get the resources for the free health care, the food, the free education right. that they're getting? And I'm really worried about it. And, and this is another example. Fentanyl is killing our youth and the flower of their youth. Right. And we've got to stop this. Right. There's a, an article in the stack about a common supplement that might help with the dementia risk. It's vitamin D. Yeah. Could, I, could I, really I am really true? amazed at vitamin D. Yeah. Um, vitamin D should be normal in your bloodstream. And, All right. And I'm not quite sure why we're having a epidemic of low vitamin D. Those people who had normal or high, normally high, I mean, I'm telling you, in the high range, vitamin D had a less chance of dying of COVID. Uh, They just did. Now, there's no proof that those individuals who come in with a low vitamin D and they get supplemented in the hospital, they did not do as, as well as people who had a normal vitamin D in the office, right. let's say, when you have it checked. And I would tell you about 40% of my patients have a low vitamin D. Wow. I don't know why. I take a And some of these people are out in the sun. Yeah. I think it's something that we're doing that is lowering our absorption of vitamin D. It might be the food we eat. It might be something. You know, for example, B12 deficiency is a huge thing now that I yeah. never understood. Right. And I take... B12 levels on everybody. Now, my theory, and don't think this is true until it's proven, my theory is that some of the antacids that we take all the time lower the acidity in in the stomach, and you have to have a certain acidity to absorb B12 in your body. It has to be acid. And so I'm telling you, there are two things you need to have checked by your doctor. It's vitamin D and B12. And Ask your doctor when they're going to set your blood up if they're going to draw it. And when you have a very low vitamin D, I'm talking, you know, I'm talking like 80% low. Yeah. We put people on 50,000 units, which seems like a big dose once a week for 12 weeks. Yeah. And then they have to go on like 4,000 units. Those little gel caps, have you ever seen those? Yes, sir. Yeah. And then we recheck it in in, uh, variables and sometimes it drops again, even though they're taking a daily supplement. Yeah. So something's not right. But- Vitamin D has a role in inflammation. It helps to lower the general level of inflammation, which is an overactive immune system, which can attack cells. And it looks like that may be reason, the reason why you have less dementia. All right. We're going to talk about something called Vioxx in just a moment. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. And uh, Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News is joining us now as soon as I can figure out how to push the button. They gave me a complicated computer. Hi, Rose. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Good. You found that button then. I did find the button. What I have is two monitors and one mouse. Anybody who's, who's had that situation knows that sometimes the little cursor gets lost in the other monitor. So welcome to the show. Your um, website has an article about our heat wave situation, calling mm-hmm. it a, a very deadly situation. Is this, I mean, do, do people really succumb 
on on ninety nine yeah. degree days. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's really, really an important issue. Yeah. It is. It people get dehydrated, but also there's this stuff about how if it doesn't cool down enough at night, people's bodies don't cool down enough. And yeah. especially for folks who maybe they're low income, they right. don't have air conditioning or, right. you know, so they it never really gets cool enough for them. And it can it can really uh, it can really increase that risk of dehydration, um, but it can also uh, it it can it can keep your body from regulating its temperature. So it's really um, it heats the heats the important thing. And when the humidity is high, you can't sweat as much. Uh, it's true, just a, and and the 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 way that you cool down naturally. The sweat gets on your body and it evaporates. So the the evaporation chemically takes energy and yeah. it takes yeah. the heat off your body. But if you have ninety eight percent humidity, you, there is just uh, a a very hard uh, situation for the moisture to get into the air because there's already so much moisture in the it's air. Almost, yeah, it's yeah. moist to actually for that to evaporate yeah. off because as it evaporates off, that also cools you yeah. off, right? Well, so. I mean, what you got to do is wear a white hat. This is where a white hat, don't wear a black hat. Why yeah. is that? <laughs> because it absorbs heat, okay? okay? Right. And then you want to wear loose-fitting clothing. Now, just, okay, just think of something. Why? Do the Arabs who live in Saudi Arabia yeah. wear their outfits? Yeah, yeah. because right. it's exactly what you want to wear. The it's white the, reflects. The yeah, the white reflects the sun. Now, mm-hmm. the other thing that I I've emphasized on this show, and I don't know if you've ever done it, Rose. If you're overheated, what do you do? Do you drink a, a ice water? Guess what? It's not going to work. Because what why? Better. Well, if, next time you're hot, put your hand on your stomach. It's mm-hmm. cold. It's the weirdest thing. Stomach is cold. Your stomach will be cold, and why is that? I don't know. Because your body shunts your blood away from your stomach to your outer parts of the body to promote sweating. Okay. Try. Right, right. I guarantee it. I've also I've also heard that that the best thing is not to take a cold shower, right? Because your body has shunted the blood away, and then a cold shower is going to make all those capillaries kind of down. Yeah. So the better thing to do is take like a lukewarm shower. Yeah. But but the way you cool down, if you are overheated, yeah. the carotid artery and the jugular vein are very close to the skin. I mean, the skin mm-hmm. covers them. Yeah. You will mechanically cool yourself down and save yourself or your grandma, who can't sometimes know that she is overheating. By placing something ice cold right on that neck above the carotid artery and the jugular vein, you can That's lower like your temperature. Like a wet rag around there. You can do that too. I mean, it doesn't have. But I'm telling you, if there's an emergency situation, right? Uh, don't pack the ice in the armpit. It's just not enough blood flow. Pack the ice bag or something cold on the neck on both sides. Now, one of the mm-hmm. things that benefits is your brain is the most sensitive organ to overheating and so when you do it on the neck you cool the brain down immediately so out there if you try it i mean if you're hot give this a try get a cold can or a cold bottle Mm -hmm. put it on your neck now like rose said you can get these cooling towels 
and you Mm -hmm. put them in water, that water temperature will still be low enough that around your neck, it will keep it cool as long as you wear that towel continuously. What I'm talking about with the cold to the neck is a, a, a gesture that you do to immediately Mm-hmm. lower the temperature. Now, I saw something the other day. It's a little fan that you hook on your back <laughs> yeah. and oh, you really? blow air up your back. That works. Yes. Yes. And then you can also put the fan in the top of your shirt <laughs> and blow it on your neck. Okay. Now, this Listen. Yes. These are not crazy things. No, no. What you do with that fan is put a little rag and wipe water onto your neck, yeah. blow the fan onto your neck, that will evaporate yeah. and pull heat out of the carotid artery in the jugular vein. Right. Um, the other thing is people will often put coolness on their head. Right. Here's the problem. There yeah. aren't that many blood vessels in the scalp. And the, the skull is a pretty good insulator. So you may feel it yeah. in terms of the way it feels on your scalp and head, but it's not going to cool your body. Now, you can do this also. In your back. Yeah. I mean, your, the back of your neck. Because there are two arteries and two veins there. They're smaller. They're called the vertebrals. And they're within the, circum, the, the cervical spine. Yeah. But I just want to say, Rose, this is a great article. And what do oh, you okay. think? What do you think? Is there a public health uh, series of commercials or anything talking about what to do? Stay out of the heat. Wear white. Um, keep yourself I hydrated. I don't. I don't know if there is. I mean, I know that they do a lot, in particular in the agricultural, uh, for agricultural workers, they do, they have, you know, things that are posted in workplaces so that folks know. And, you know, it's interesting, like, if you ever spend any time in, in areas where there are agricultural workers, you see them doing a lot of those things. Like, they, you kind of look at them and they're like, oh, geez, they're covered up, but they're, they're covered up. They're wearing loose fitting clothing. It's usually light colored. A lot of them wear, you know, uh, something around their neck. Um, we've got a friend who's visiting uh, from out of state, and she was like, geez, is this the hottest part of North Carolina? I was like, no, it's down on the eastern coastal plain uh-huh. where, you know, it, it just, and, and it's a lot of agricultural workers who are, who, who, end up feeling the heat down there right and it's it's kind of the it's not as it's uh there's not as many trees and it's kind of flat and then you of course you're out in the fields and that's a real issue for agricultural workers is uh is the heat well it's amazing i don't when i drive to smithfield yeah where my practice is every day now i'm seeing the agricultural workers and i was asking myself how do they do it? But you know what? They've been doing this for so long. Yes. They had um, neckerchiefs. Yeah. They had wide brim, white or light colored hats. Yeah. Uh, some of them were wearing dark shirts, and I wanted to get out of my car <laughs> and go tell them to put on a white shirt. Uh, I didn't because I was late for the office, as usual. But um, there are a lot of things you can do. Right. And if you suspect somebody's having heat stroke, put put the cold ice pack or something on their neck and call 911. Right. Because sometimes they need cooling where they actually put an arterial uh, line and take your blood out and run it through a cooling machine. Although there's some controversy as to whether that's better Mm -hmm. than icing down uh, the parts of your body that are um, close to the skin in terms of your blood vessels. So that's the groin. Yes, your axilla. 
and but most importantly, your neck, because the first and thing then, you'll do. And then hydration. hydration yeah, oh, hydration, hydration so would... you can sweat. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. But what I'm mm-hmm. saying is hydration cannot be the only thing. Uh, you, right. Cold water in your stomach. Now, all you out there, next time you're out in the heat, yeah, put your hand on your stomach, and you will be amazed. Yeah. It's cold. I, w- I will It's be. cold because the all blood right. has oh, been okay. shunted oh. away. I'll try that. That'll be that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Rose. Yeah. All right, fellas, have a good week. Take care. You North too. Carolina Health Rose Hoban, thank you. Uh, they've got an article on what's the best way to pick a nursing home for a loved one. I like this. Oh, good. I like the fact somebody's addressing that. Uh, listen, the uh, this PPI story. Yeah. Protein protease inhibitor. No. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> Proton pump inhibitor. Oh yeah. That, so I mean, there are two ways, is. more probably more, that acid is pumped into your stomach. All right. Okay. The stomach's got an amazing thing. I mean, if you took that stomach acid and put it in your esophagus, it's going to burn it like you know what. That's right. what heartburn is. Right. The stomach has a special lining, obviously, because it has to protect itself from what it does. Yes. Proton pumps. Protons are hydrogen atoms. All right. So hydrogen plus chloride, HCl, yeah. hydrochloric acid. Yeah. So the proton pump takes protons out of your blood and pumps them into the stomach where they create hydrochloric acid from sodium chloride. Okay. Then the H2 is a receptor, and it's a histamine receptor, but it also puts protons through it mechanism creating histamine yes. into the stomach. Okay. So the histamine blockers are Pepsid, uh, Zantac. All right. Okay, and they block the histamine receptors from pumping protons in. Okay. Proton pumps inhibitors work on the other white meat, haha. The other mechanism of, of acid production yeah. in the stomach. Yeah. And they're very powerful. When omeprazole came out, it was amazing because it reduced the incidence of people needing a surgery for their acid reflux. And then a bunch of them came out. It's a Me Too drug. Nexium yeah. came out. And then Protonics, which I think is now the most used because it works when you... Omeprazole can, has to be with food. Right. And it takes 24 hours to kick in. Uh, other ones kick in right away because they don't have to be taken with food. So the bottom line is these drugs work extremely well. Right. And there are people who are at risk if they don't take them. So people who've had chronic recurrent ulcers need to take these drugs. Right. They need to take them permanently because it will prevent a catastrophic, potentially catastrophic bleed in the future. Right. Now. Those people who don't need them, you're going to be at higher risk for things, uh, mainly osteoporosis, okay? But the risk is not that great. Right. Now, here's the problem that I see a lot in medicine. You get an idea out in the public. Yeah. PPIs can cause osteoporosis. Okay. And they stop everybody on them. Yeah. And they don't take into account the risk-benefit analysis of people who actually can't live without them, okay? So it's the aspirin thing all over. I've had so many patients come into my office who have coronary artery disease, who've had stents, um, who've had a stroke, and were told uh, or thought they were told to stop their aspirin because of the way it was presented on the media. Aspirin is not necessary. Yes, it is for some people. But I try to tell them, if you're elderly and you don't have risks for a heart attack, 
and you've never had a stent, and your arteries are pretty clean, yeah. aspirin will help yeah. prevent a heart attack. But the risk of a bleeding episode outweighs that potential benefit. Okay. So you don't take it. But if you've had a heart attack or if you have blockages, you need to take your aspirin like your doctor says. Now, right. don't start it based on what I say. No. Go out and ask your doctor if it's right for you. But the same thing about these PPIs. If you're taking Nexium, Omeprazole, mm-hmm. if you're taking, you know, um, uh, Protonics, ask your doctor, what's the risk of you telling me to stop it to prevent osteoporosis versus the fact that I almost died two years ago from yeah. a gastric ulcer? Yeah. And that's what we're missing. So I want to make sure people know that they need to ask questions of their doctor. Risk-benefit analysis. Right. All right. What percentage of adults have optimal, optimal that is the best, heart health? And we'll find out the number in just a little bit. It's not enough. Clearly not enough. Also, what's in your bag? I mean, if you're a doctor, what's in your bag? What's you in your a, bag? Do you, do you have a leather bag that you I carry? still have my bag. He has his leather. All right. Yeah. We'll find out what's in it in just a little bit. This is Heart Health Radio. Our number, 919-860-9783. The Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me want to shout and kick my heels up and shout This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Dr. Weefald, how you doing? I'm good. I want to shout out yeah. this lady um, who single-handedly uh, saved her husband's life yes. by doing what I always tell people to be careful to do, and that's Google searching. Okay. Yeah, but wait a minute. This, this lady, you know, the article was written, you can't find it. The article was written in this way. Woman finds um, alternative way to prevent her husband from dying. Yeah, so he had this. He went to some foreign country. Okay. And he developed a really, really rare um, uh, infection. Got an abscess. And this bacteria is resistant to every single... um, uh, known antibiotic, right. and they'd pump them full of combinations of antibiotics, which would suppress it for a little bit. Right, but you can't stay on these things because you get fungal infections from too much antibiotic, ex- yeah. for example. So then he would go off and he gets sick again. Yeah. So she does a Google search, and she realizes there are natural enemies to yeah. bacteria. Phages. And these are called bacteriophages. Yeah. And one of the ways that we discovered DNA was by these guys studying phages. And these are little teeny-weeny monsters that are viruses. And they attack bacteria, and they latch onto them, and they inject their DNA into the bacteria. And then they destroy the bacteria, growing their own uh, phage babies. Yeah. Well, phages don't attack humans. These are bacterial parasites or killers. So she called up a bunch of researchers on phages. And said, do you have phages that work against this bacterium? You know what they said? What? Nope, but we'll find them. Oh, wow. And they did. Okay. And so they grew up a gamish of these phages. Right. And they got permission from the FDA to infuse them 
into her husband like you would infuse an antibiotic. Yes. Saved him. Killed him. No, it killed them. I killed the bacteria. The bacteria. Here's the thing. The article is written, woman finds solution to husband. It's true. Yes. She's an epidemiologist. Oh, okay. She is, in fact. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But still. It's, it's I think it's like, fantastic. It's not like my she mom took, no, found she took some that, cure. The, she, now, why didn't the doctors think of this? Because right? they're, they got narrow-casted. Right. Their brain is working in right. one direction. Well, and also because they got other patients to take care of. Right. Right. And so what I'm saying, I love it when patients come in and make suggestions. Right. I have taken several of them, and they have worked. Right. And I will come back and tell the patient, you taught me something. There is no reason for a physician to feel like they are somehow mm-hmm. um, not as good a physician if they take advice because they didn't know the situation. Right. And I think this heralds a really important um, uh, uh, line of research okay. like for bacteria that are resistant to, and in fact, any bacteria. Right. Did you imagine if you had a strep throat? Okay. Okay? And you had a spray of bacteriophage against streptococcus, um, which causes the strep throat. Yeah. And you just keep spraying it in your throat all day. And I would get better? you kill them all. It would be better than antibiotics because, of course, there's- No side effects. There's side effects, yeah. It only kills the bacteria. Right. Not you. I think this is really exciting. Okay. And I, I think this lady, uh, what's her Stephanie name? Stephanie Th- Strathby. Well, whatever. Thra- Strathdy. Whatever. They, Strathby. Oh, here, they went on a Thanksgiving cruise on the Nile oh, in yeah. 2000. Death on the Nile. But, the, but he got something. Preventing death on the Nile. I love it. I love it. I think That's it's fantastic. Good. All right. So you mentioned something to me about Vioxx. Yeah. Is that a medicine that's been taken off the market? Yeah. So Vioxx is what we call, it. it, it is a derivative of something like Motrin or Advil. Okay. Okay. These are anti-inflammatory, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. There are two receptors where these drugs work, cyclooxygenase or COX-1 mm-hmm. and then COX-2. Okay. They developed them to target only COX-2. Because the COX-1 is involved in creating stomach ulcers. So they said, guess what? If we can create a drug that only affects the COX-2 receptor, we'll skip the ulcers and do the pain. Okay. And it did uh, to some degree. There were still some patients who got ulcers. They sold billions of this. It was by Merck. Yeah. I took it. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. If I had an ache or pain and I took 25 milligrams of Vioxx, boom. Yeah. Gone. All right. But researchers at Duke, among others. Yes. I never forgot. I was at a um, conference. And Rob Califf, who was my Duke professor, who is now head of the Food and Drug Administration. Yes. He had been looking into this, so they hadn't done the studies yet. He said, is there anybody here who doesn't think Vioxx can lead to a heart attack? Mm. And that's when it really came to be in the open. They took it off the market. And it was... You know, it, it raised your heart attack risk about 1.5%. Right. So that was 38,000 extra deaths per people who took Vioxx. Yeah. 20 million people took Vioxx. 
and there were 38,000 extra deaths. And that was a significant number. There are now people who question that data. And um, I don't think that's the only reason. But people who had migraines said that they tried Motrin, they tried Advil, they yeah. tried Celebrex. Yes. And, you know, some of these COX-2 inhibitors are still on the market. Celebrex is one of them. I use it all the time. Meloxicam. Yeah. yeah. They had an increased incidence of heart attacks, but they didn't take them off the market. Merck voluntarily took theirs off the market because they paid $5 billion in damages and lawsuits. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. so now the neurologists and the migraine doctors are studying Vioxx. And they want to, if it's positive and relieving migraines, they want to do this risk-benefit analysis thing right. and say, okay, if it really, have you ever had a migraine? No. It, I, I look at my patients with migraines and it's terrible. Yes. And if they can get some relief with migraines from Vioxx, and as long as they know they are at a slightly increased risk yeah. of heart attack. Now, what I would would recommend is mm-hmm. they go back and look at the data on Vioxx and heart attack. Yes. See if they can find the ones in that 20 million who were really the ones who had the heart attack. Were they the ones who had the eight risk factors? Right. So, for example, if you're a 20-year-old woman with no risk factors, with refractory migraines, and they go back and look at the data and see, wait a minute, there weren't heart attacks in this age group. Right. Then let them have it. And, you know... I have risks for heart disease. I have a, I have addressed them. Right. My blockages are going away. Yes. I'm four weeks into my non-smoking program. Yay. And if you if my voice sounds weird, it's because I got my gum under my tongue. Yes. Okay. It should be between your cheek and gum. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm just going to say, <laughs> Vioxx was great. Yeah. It really worked. Yes. And I think that, um, if they find in this study that it works, they got to bring it back to the market and give it to the right people so that they don't have my, I had one migraine in my life yeah. and I thought I was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. Okay. I, I want to talk today about the COVID fog. Now, chances are, if I don't write it down, I'm not going to remember to ask you about COVID fog because... I have COVID fog, I think. Will you was, hear a foghorn? No, I was just... Wah. Wake up, David. I, I, I don't have a foghorn. I uh, lost my wife's car. Wait okay, a minute, Wait a minute. What happened? I stood in my parking lot knowing that I had driven her car to work. So we swapped cars. So I'm looking for her car. I've lost cars. I don't have dementia. I was standing. I don't have dementia. I've lost cars. Did I say something about dementia? Yes. Yeah. I was standing right in front of it, and I did not recognize it. All right. My advice to you. What? And this is what I do every time I park. Yes. I take a picture of where I parked. <laughs> okay. It takes a second. <laughs> I know. Now, okay. nine t- 99 times out of 100, you'll remember. You will but work. if you got something on your mind, yes, you know you're going to forget where your car is. I understand. Take a picture of where your car is. I understand. More heart health coming up. This is the Heart Health Radio Network.
Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. It happens that... Traditionally, the second hour is when the phone starts to ring. I don't think we even gave out the phone number the first hour. Well, like, uh, you know, I did, but it, let's do it again. 919-860-9783. Yep. So, you know, we'll take your phone calls. Dr. Weefall to help you out. Doesn't, I hope. Do, I'll try. Doesn't diagnose over the radio, but that's all right because he'll just give you things to talk about with your doctor. Yes. Um, so, what's in your medical bag? This is a very interesting thing. Um, we, uh, you probably all remember these big black bags yep. that had a clasp and they would open at the top. Yes. And there are all these goodies inside. Sure. Now, in the beginning of these bags, there was morphine. And all sorts of drugs oh because the doctor would use the bag. That was his portable office. Right. And he would bring this into the house and he would, you know, perform an examination and actually give medicine. So there was aspirin, morphine. Um, there were no antibiotics because they didn't have. Yeah. And so they also carried tools. Oh, my. And when I got my bag, I mean, this is really cool. Sure. The first year of medical school, you get a microscope. And you had to buy a nice microscope. Yeah. Because you had to look at things under the microscope, little squirrely, you know, squiggly bacteria and urine. Um, I actually even did, um, when I was a resident and intern, we had to do our own slides. So, for example, someone came in with uh, pneumonia, you mm-hmm. did a slide. Well, I did this great thing. Some guy was going to have lung cancer surgery and he coughed up a goober and it was tuberculosis. Oh, yeah. And I discovered it. But anyway, in my bag, we had certain things we had to buy and put in the bag. This was on top of the outrageous tuition that we were paying. Sure. But anyway, the first thing was a, and we had to call these things by their real name. Okay. What's a sphygmomanometer? That's a blood pressure cuff. Oh, you got it. I know this stuff. All right. So a sphygmomanometer, and that's (laughs) a blood pressure cuff. We had to have a real good one. And, of course, it could not be the $40 one from Walmart that you push a button no, and no, a digital no. read. You had to use your yeah, stethoscope. stethoscope. So yeah. you had to have a stethoscope. <laughs> now, mine's electronic because of my hearing loss, and it has an amplifier. They didn't have those things back then. Yeah. Just a simple, you know, and let me tell you something. Yeah. Uh, the coolest thing, if you had a British stethoscope. Oh, yeah? Because it had this thing that stuck out and had... All these handles on it. There's two types of the stuff. It's two things the doctor looks at. Now you'll see they have, most of them mm-hmm. have one large um, uh, uh, flat thing. Oh, what is it called? Diaphragm. Yes. You're welcome. Yes. God, talk about COVID fog. And I, I even know. had COVID. Yeah. And then a small one. Yeah. And it was called the bell and the flat piece. I don't know. <laughs> God, I can't think of this. And, um, you know, you'd flip it over and you'd hear high-pitched sounds with one and the bell, you'd hear the low-pitched sounds. Anyway, and you had this rubber tubing and everything. But if you had the British one, the, it would create a bell by pushing this thing out into it. Anyway, people 
wanted to be fancy. Those things were like $300 back then. They're $1,000 now. But anyway, what else? The tuning fork. Now, what is that? It was to test for vibratory sensing. Mm. Because there were all these diseases like syphilis Mm. that would affect the nervous system. And you couldn't feel the vibration. Now, you put it on the head, too. It felt really cool. Yeah. Anyway, so I haven't used the dang thing since medical school. Sure. Now, we also had um, a, a vial of a substance that mm. you use every morning. Hmm. What was that? Uh, I don't know. What's what is Good that? Paste. Wake up and smell the coffee. Yeah, really. Because if you want to test the cranial nerve, yes, number two, yes. which is the olfactory nerve. Yeah. I mean, I guess in COVID, this, they started doing it again because. You lost your sense of smell. Right. Coffee apparently is something that everybody recognizes right. and is easy to say. This is right. coffee. Right. But of course, if you knew it was in a doctor's bag, you could just say, yeah. "You're going to bring me the coffee yet?" Anyway, so that was one thing we had in there. And then let me think of what else I had in there. I had some comic books. Uh, Good for I you. had uh, a Clark Bar. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. and Good. and you know these were oh a pin a, a safety pin. Because we had safety pins. Pinprick sensation. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then we had a little cloth okay. for a light touch sensation. Uh, yeah, so I, I suspect the neurologist, when he or she makes the rounds on the, on the ward, still has a bag. But I'll never forget the last guy I ever saw. It was a nephrologist, yeah. and this was in 1994, and he was brand new, just out of the University of Chicago residency. Yeah. And he was walking down with the bag. You know, walking down the, the aisle, and his uh, partner pulled him aside, and he said, one piece of advice. Yeah. Lose the bag. Lose the, <laughs> lose the bag. Lose the bag. All right. Colleen in Raleigh, welcome to the program. How you doing, Colleen? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Speak right up and tell us what's Pardon? going on. Um, well, I was interested in what was said after Rose hung up. Yes. There was a website or something, and I was like, oh, I want to check that out. And now for the life of me, I don't know what the website was or what the subject was. Well, I think we were talking about Rose's website, which yeah. is NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Yeah, you got to write it all out. North Carolina Health News, and then put .org. If you Google search it, just make sure you end up at Rose's website. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the North Carolina Health News.org. Yeah. Uh, are you getting overheated? No, I'm in a cool house right now. Good for you. Air conditioning. Did you grow up in North Carolina? I sure did. Can you not tell from my accent? A little bit. Did yeah. you live in the country? I did. Pardon did you have a dirt road? I sure did. Okay. Was it? And this is what my <laughs> patients tell me. You think I'm crazy. Now, listen. Yeah. They say it wasn't as hot back then. And even though the temperatures were in the 90s and 100s. Now, you had a porch, right? We did. And the windows were open, Green right? Back porch. And you had trees around the house, right? We had a big oak tree in yeah. the backyard. Shading your house. Some pines down at the bottom. We were on top of a hill. A yep. And then you had a dirt road. Now, have you ever put your foot on an asphalt road yes. when it's really hot? Yes. So what has happened? Um, people's windows are closed. They don't have now these new developments. There's no uh-huh. trees to uh-huh. shade the house, yep. and they have asphalt roads. And there was a new article that came out that said urban heat 
is one of the major contributors if there really is global warming they think it is. Right. And now wow. these people live in the same areas, but they live in, in these new housing developments with asphalt roads. And then they've paved all the roads in North Carolina. There are no more. Right. People don't live on dirt <laughs> roads anymore. But the thing is, I think we should go back to them yeah. because it's cooler. To dirt and, roads? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Did you, Your dirt road was fine, wasn't it? What about the road? It was fine. You had a dirt road. and Oh, yes, it was fine. Yeah. And you were, were you barefoot in the summer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you could cross the road, <laughs> right? Yes. So <laughs> I, I think that's very interesting. And the design of houses made a difference. Now, what was your daddy? What did he do? Did he wear a suit? He, um, he worked on the, my, the farm with yeah. my granddaddy. But I bet he, when he went downtown, he wore a suit, right, with a coat. I see these pictures of downtown Smithfield from the 20s and 30s mm-hmm. in the middle of the summer. They got hats on, and they got coats and suits on. And you know why they could do it? Why? Because they were lightweight. They mm. were poplin, and they were light-colored. And so basically they were doing what the Arabs did, yeah. which was cover their bodies in reflective clothing that was loose-fitting. Yes. And it worked. Well, I have found that cotton plain cotton is is good it's not as hot as other fabrics are yeah yep yep colleen i'll bet you this also i'll bet you there were fewer people like me who were stocky when dr weefall just said you know how they could wear those suits because they were lighter he meant the suit but realistically <laughs> speaking All right. All right, let People me ask you. People were lighter back then. Let me ask you. You what? remember when you were a kid? Yeah. Okay, Colleen. Were there, weren't there yeah. a lot of fat people back then, too? Well, my grandmother, my dad's mother, was pretty, pretty hefty. Mm. Yeah. And Uh-oh. you want to know something that's coming back, Colleen? You know what's coming back? What? Lard. They just did a study <laughs> comparing lard to butter for cooking. <laughs> Lard produced fewer saturated and unsaturated fats when it was used as a cooking material. And I'm telling you, you're gonna see you're gonna see Landaquakes lard (laughs) in your uh, refrigerated case at your local grocery store. Interesting. Yep. All right, Colleen, take care of yourself. God bless you. Thank Thank you. you. All right. You bet. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Ivan in Raleigh, welcome to the program. How are you, Ivan? I'm fine, sir. Hello, doctor, and hello to your assistant who's not a doctor who plays a doctor on the radio. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. What's going I on? I have a question. You mentioned uh, in a previous program about turmeric and ginger yeah. capsules. Yeah. Can uh-huh. you rehash that again for me? I didn't, I didn't, I caught the tail end. Yeah, let me tell you. Um, I am... Am a chemical doctor. They call me Chemical Frank. And what does that mean? It means I believe in drugs. Okay, but I also believe in natural stuff mm-hmm. if it works. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the biggest problem is there are a lot of natural things out there that haven't been studied. And when you talk about turmeric or turmeric, right? And then curcumin. Is that how you pronounce it? That's yeah. one of the chemicals inside. So if you hear turmeric or turmeric and curcumin, they're all the same thing. That's a spice, okay? It's a natural spice. 
And it came from, the Indians used it a lot. I'm talking about the Indians in South Asia. And what they said was, is if you put it on your food, you're going to be healthier. Well, nobody really knew if that was true. What it does, and this is proven time and time again, and it's also proven to work and to reduce pain. They did the studies. They took people who had pain and gave them a sugar pill, and they took other people and gave them um, Mm -hmm. turmeric. It lowers your inflammation, so it makes the immune system still work, but it doesn't make it work over time. So your inflammation is lowered. And I've proven it with me. Um, I had a C-reactive protein that was like nine. That's way high. And that's just a number. Mm-hmm. And I started 500 milligram capsules, two of them a day, mm-hmm. along with uh, ginger capsules, just one a day. And I also take something called milk thistle. And it's not made out of milk. It just has the, the natural plant has a milky top to it. And I lowered my A, I mean my CRP down to less than 0.1. Mm-hmm. And in addition to my cholesterol medication, and probably the cholesterol medication helped because it's anti-inflammatory as well. Right. And all those things together, and then my blockages are slowly going away. I want us to talk about the benefit of lowering that CRP. Yeah. So everything. It, it, yeah. The higher the CRP, the greater the risk for dementia. Okay. Dementia or dementia. I like to do the TIA. Dementia. Yeah. And then the, the lower the risk uh, that when you got COVID that you would die. Seriously. Yeah. Those with low CRPs. Okay. had a much lower risk of dying from COVID. Your body was not going to ramp up this bad inflammatory, hyper-inflammatory response. Mm-hmm. So anything that you think of, uh, Crohn's disease, it helps lower the inflammatory response in that. And the other thing I like about these things, okay, they can't hurt you. I mean, they're natural spices, and they're the type of herbs that are like vegetables. You eat them, and they're good for you. Right. Now, talking about lowering inflammation, I will tell you this. Vegetables do it too, okay? Hmm. So I take something because I'm telling you, I can't cook vegetables. I mean, you know, the, have you ever seen a plate mm-hmm. of vegetables that they recommend you eat? Yeah. It's huge. Yes. Okay, how are you going to cut those things up and cook them or eat them raw? You can't. So I'm not shilling. I don't get paid for this, but there is a great product out there called Balance of Nature, mm-hmm. and it is... Three capsules of vegetables and three capsules of fruit, that's all you need. I take it twice a day. I take six and six because I really want the benefit of those vegetables. Mm -hmm. And what they they do is they grind them up, Mm -hmm. the uh, broccoli and carrots and stuff like that, and then they put them in this vacuum freezing thing, and it turns it into a powder. Now, remember, vegetables are 90% water. Mm -hmm. So all you're doing is removing the water, and you're making what's left very small. And that's the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that probably helped lower my inflammation too, although I can't prove that. So those are the natural things that I endorse. I, you know, a few others. I think vitamin C is probably good. Mm-hmm. That's been studied and there have been conflicting studies. I take a B12 every day because I want my B12 level to be high. Yeah. I take a vitamin D, but let me caution you. You can get too much vitamin D. Okay, okay, there's something called vitamin D toxicity. Mm-hmm. I was going to talk about an article about a guy who took 50 times the recommended dose of vitamin D every day, and he almost died from vitamin D toxicity. Wow. But anyway, I take vitamin D 2,000 units a day. And I get my blood tested every six months, and my CRP has been less than 0.1 for about two years. Yeah. Uh, my cholesterol is 11. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my hemoglobin A1C is 5.1, and my CBC is great. My testosterone is at perfect levels. I've got that adjusted because I have to take testosterone. Mm-hmm. I have a low T. And my kidneys are great. So, you know, and my B12 is right there in the middle, and my vitamin D is perfect. Ivan, that's what he was talking about last week. Does that answer your question? That answers my question. I did purchase it, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago. I've been on it for, and I can tell a a big difference. Yeah. I mean, I I used to have back pain all the time. Back pain, back pain. It's gone. All right. Ivan, thank you very much. But thank you for taking my question. You guys have a great call, call us anytime. We'll take it. All right. Take care. Thank this you. is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. You're a fraud, you're a fake, and you are lying through your teeth. You're irrelevant, malevolent, and weak. You're fake news. Fake news. This is Heart Health Radio, and we're we're going to complain about Facebook right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think when Facebook says they are on your side, <laughs> I think you had to take a gulp and ask yourself, Yeah, are they really? I mean, what is this metaverse stuff? They expect, yeah. you know what metaverse is? Yeah, yeah, these, yeah. You take these uh, these goggles yeah. and you put them on your head and, uh-huh. you're, and, and you're in a fake world called the metaverse. Yeah. And this guy... He runs Facebook. Um, what's his name again? I've forgotten. Jerk. The distance from <laughs> Mars to us. Okay. <laughs> Not even but close. But you've gotten the article. Yes. And yes. interspersed between the paragraphs are ads. Yes. Yes. So this is the problem with the world ads today. For, One for of the helmets? problems with the world is that the stories have to be crazy. Right. Headlines. Right. Right. For you to click on it. And read the ads. See, I've got a problem with Google. I have my my um, email through Google, and I get ads on the email. I get things sent to me. Yeah. That are follow up on web searches. Yeah. And and if your Google Mail is set up on more than one computer, like my wife will be searching for something, she'll search for women's underwear. Problem is. My computer is also hooked up to Google, and I uh, get uh, ads uh, for I, women's underwear. This is underwear. an excuse. No, no. Because I, I know. What? I saw you in the men's room. Yes, I was And you were searching. wearing the pink thong, okay? <laughs> no, no. I saw you. No. You just gave up no. your whole life. No, I didn't do that. I didn't. All right. You promised me a Florida story. Uh, yeah. Strange. So, you no, know, no, let no, me no. tell you. We don't have time for it. We don't have time for it. I got to tell you a story about Florida. And we're going to follow up on how many adults really have optimal heart health. Not that many. And the phone's ringing. This is Heart Health Radio. We are on the Heart Health Radio Network. Telephone number 919-860-9783. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network and Ray in Nashville. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good. How you all doing? Good. What's up? Hey, I was wanting to add up. 
something that I called a long time ago. Yeah. And you were speaking about uh, playing in dirt. Yes. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to be 60 in January, and I, I'm that Native American that's 25% English. It just I just can't get sick. Yes. One of those things. And, uh, yes. I, I was going to add to that when he said that, that, uh, yes, I did play in the dirt as I was out in the country in 1840s log cabin, but I just remember something horrible I used to do, and I don't know why I didn't get sick, but I used to drink out of the creek all the time. I'd ride my horse all over the place. And I'd right. stop my pony, and I'd look for a clear spot and drink out of the creek, and, and I just remembered it. Everybody talking about all the horrible things that are out there you can get, you know, because it's an open creek, and and, uh, and I want and, to add to that playing in the dirt thing, and I'm healthy as can be. I, yeah. It, I don't know why, but I shouldn't. I know why. I know why. Because you played in the dirt. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I got to let, let me get some advice from you, okay? Mm-hmm. You have dogs? Oh, yeah, dogs, cats. All right. When your dog was a puppy, okay, did you let that dog run around with other dogs? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so here's my vet. We had animals. Yeah, we were yeah. people. I got a new puppy. Yeah. And here's my vet. Do not let this puppy around other dogs until they've had all of their vaccines because of this thing called parvovirus. Now, my dog, one of my new, new I got two new dogs, and one's eight months, ten months old. And she got parvo, lasted mm-hmm. two days, had a little bit of diarrhea, and went away. Mm-hmm. But apparently, it can kill you, mm. kill your dog. So now I've got another new puppy. And so the 10-month-old puppy always wants to go to the dog park. So I can't bring it to the dog park. But my feeling is if your kids play in the dirt, let your dog play in the dirt, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think the reason why you're healthy, uh, probably number one, genetics, okay. Um, genetics are the number one thing. But number two is that you got exposed to all sorts of bacteria and viruses right. when you had a immune system that was very strong mm-hmm. because you were young. And it developed a natural immunity to all sorts of different bacteria and viruses. I bet you hardly ever get a cold. I, I can't get them. I, I mean, I, I literally, I can't get the flu. Yeah. Uh, when the COVID came around, they said I had yeah. it. I didn't know it. So I, you, I, I don't get sick. Let me say I yeah. get sick from it. I, get, I guess I get that stuff, but six of us in the house, they all yeah. got the flu for decades. I just can't get sick from yeah. it. I don't know why. And so you took your horse and waded through creeks. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Well, I used yeah. to go camp from a horse out in the woods, and that yeah. all my friends did. And then we'd, we'd get our water out of the creek open. Yeah. People would tell me I should be dead because, you know, all the animals. Yeah. Creeks. <laughs> I yeah. yeah now, I guess I should be. I don't understand I've, it I've talked about this before. Um, we, we were, you're, you're a little younger than me. Polio. Uh, we remember the sugar cube, and you had to. They put that. Oh yeah, yeah. I had to do that. So the polio vaccine was good, but back in the forties and fifties, every summer, mm-hmm. mothers would panic yes. because of polio. And if you look at the demographics of people who got polio, it was the rich kids who lived in sanitized homes. Really. And back then, oh my gosh, people really, really thought that if you played in the dirt, you were going to get sick. And so, you know, there was a sanitization concept. And you know who didn't get polio? With the farm kids. Yeah. 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 And apparently they found out that in farm dirt is a type of uh, virus that is very similar to polio. And Mm. if you got that, you had cross-immunity protection. 
So I'll never forget when I was a guest on one of the uh, on another radio show. Yeah. And the, the host said, "Now just be careful. This guy will say something crazy like like make your kids play in the dirt." Yeah. It's true. It's And I it think is. you are a prime example of this, you know, as a young kid going out and being yeah. a kid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, getting dirty and 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 enjoying life uh the way it should be. I bet you never played a video game in your life, did you? No, didn't ha- didn't have it, but uh uh had a Later on in life, as a late teenager, somebody brought something and hooked it up to our TV. It had a white light and went from one end to the other with a bar, and it went dong when you hit it. You and played Pong. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was like Pong. You, yeah. You tried to hit it. I thought that was amazing. It got, got bored. I mean, I got so bored. You know, I, I me, me and my friends went back outside, and we used to jump our bicycles over barrels and uh, right. creeks. And so that was a little yeah. more fun than that Pong thing. Did you ever build a dam on your creek? Oh, good creek. I used to love and that. Forest. We would I, I spend. three houses so high that you, you, you'd die if you would right. have landed. Right. And then at the end of the day, the greatest thing was busting the dam and watching that water rush out. It was fantastic. I made boats out of uh, sticks, like rafts, and then I'd bust the dam, and then we'd see who's to go the farthest. Did you, did you have G.I. Joe's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we would set them up the and, and have little wars and stuff with G.I. Joe's in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, thanks for calling. Wonderful call. Call us anytime. Right, you guys have a good weekend. You too. All right. Keep playing in the dirt. I, I've got grandkids. Well, I, the question is, okay, yeah. do you play in the dirt when you're old? Now, I, yeah, I got to look bit. that up. A little bit. When you play in the dirt as a kid, you develop your immunity. So... Maybe you should boost your immunity. You get a booster shot by rolling around in the dirt when you're I don't know, but old. Is, maybe that's what they mean by older than dirt. Gar- right? Gardening is Might playing in the dirt. Yeah, but they all wear gloves now. Oh, yeah. 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 Not me. I, I just yeah. dig right in. You use uh, cow manure in a bag? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, there's a black cow that you can get that uh, sponsors the uh, Mike Raley show. Um uh, on Saturday mornings, but there's also um, you can just get manure and on a sod or whatever manure and dirt yeah. in a, in a bag, you know. Yeah, well, when I had my farm, yeah, yeah, I had to shovel that manure. Yes, you did. It was a lot of work. Yeah, I hated it every minute of it. I I can understand. But what that. I did like yeah. was the manure spreader. I get on my tractor, yeah, fill that thing up. And we're, when you're, you know, going along and that yeah. tractor's, you know, hit the, hit the thing and the manure would go flying out the back. What that was wonderful. fun. What a life. That was great. What a life. All right. So how many adults really have optimal heart health? It's, uh, it's a very low percentage, isn't it? It's only 20%. Now, it, it used to be um, that they thought it was about 50%. Okay. And the reason why it's gone down is the addition of some, you know, heart risk factors, which we talked earlier right. about sleeping. So you add those things, and only 20% of us are optimal. And what are they? Hypertension. So you got to get your blood pressure in that optimal range. It's variable per age, okay? So if you're young, 120, 130, over 60, 70, your sugar has got to be in control. If you're a diabetic... With heart disease, let yep. it go up to seven because you don't want to have 
hypoglycemic spells if you have heart disease. Right, right. Because that is a horribly stressful event. You can have a heart attack with a hypoglycemic spell. And then family history. There's not much you can do. You can't choose your parents. But if you know you have an extensive family history where your mother, father, brother, or sister had a heart attack or heart disease, that makes you much more prone. And so you're going to be much more careful about what you eat. Obesity. I think that this is a big, big problem, mainly because the more obese you are, the more inflammation there is. I don't know why that is, but Mm -hmm. I use a lot of medication, a lot of diet control, and my record in one year uh, is 125-pound weight loss, and that's with diet, exercise, and also medications. That's one of your Don't be afraid to take medications yeah. for weight loss because they've okay. got so many great ones out now. Yeah. Smoking, I quit. Yeah, good for Now, you. I didn't quit for me. I quitted for Steve Collier. I quitted. I quit for Steve Collier, who is a patient who smoked since he was seven yeah. and had really bad lungs, came off the ventilator, was sick with pneumonia for three weeks, didn't smoke in the hospital, obviously, and he was struggling. And... I went in the room and I said, Steve, you're, you know how some people get cancer and they go on chemo and they lose their hair? Yeah. And all the people who love them shave their heads to be in solidarity? Yeah. Well, I'm going to be in solidarity with you, brother. I stopped smoking and I did it for him. Good for you. Um, my lungs are great. Yeah. Okay. I, I tried to run just the other day just to see, you know, because I sure. used to be a big runner. Sure. Um, which I don't think is a good idea. I think a medium runner is a good idea. Okay. You know, run a couple miles. And good shoes. And I could do it. Yeah. Now, of course, I took an inhaler <laughs> beforehand, but did I did what? it. I took a little puff on the inhaler. Oh, you did? Well, okay. I, I, I used to have exercise-induced asthma. <laughs> but what we've got to do is continue on the road to keeping these risk factors low. Right. Another one is, is exercise. Uh-huh. Now, you don't have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Of course, he doesn't exercise. Have you seen him lately? He's got moobs. You know, he's kind of sagging. You know what moobs are, don't you? Yes, I know. You're not going to tell Okay, that's a word I can't say on the radio. Um, And then you need to get appropriate sleep. I mean, just do it. I I didn't finish up with exercise. Yeah. The best exercise. Yeah. 35-minute brisk walk. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Five times a week. And if you want to build... Arm strength, get a two-pound weight. Okay. You can get them that that are like wrist weights. Yeah, I had a guy come into the dog park the other day. Yeah, he's a runner. Yeah, and I thought he had a tactical vest on. <laughs> okay, you know what they make now? The they make weighted, weighted vests. Yes, yeah. I was kind of scared. He yeah. came in with a tactical. You know, it looked like he had body armor <laughs> on. And I bet you it's pretty good body armor. Sure. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so you know, you can do that if you want to. But you don't have to run. Michael is here uh, from Wake Forest. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, Dave. Good. Uh, what's I up? To, um, I want to see if I get some advice from Dr. Weefall. Yeah. Weefall, I'm a 67-year-old male, and I first had um, hernia surgery in January of 2021, and I'm, I'm still not healed. The uh, surgeon has been back in three more times. And the last time he removed the uh, mesh that had gotten infected. Oh, Lordy. 
Pam do have type two diabetes. It is un- I take metformin, so it is under control. Good. But um, I just can't seem to get healed up from this, and I just wondered if you had any advice on what I might could do to try to get get through this. Yeah, that's a tough thing. So I had the same surgery. Um, they went in my belly button. And they took this mesh and sealed up. This is an inguinal hernia right down there by the groin. Is that where right. yours was? Yes. Yeah. And so there's a there's a hole there um, that's supposed to be closed. Mm-hmm. And when it gets lax, the gut, usually the small intestine, can slip down into the what's called the inguinal canal. Mm-hmm. And what else is in there? Your vas deferens, carrying sperm from the uh, testicle into the penis area and prostate area. Um, there's a, It's got all sorts of stuff in there. Right? It's not just that. And it goes down into the canal and it bulges. So I'll never forget when I first had mine, I felt this squish go down in my groin and it was the hernia. Mm. And so what my doctor did was they went in my belly button and they took a mesh that is uh, made out of a like Gore-Tex or something like that. And it actually gets, gets um, a staple, not stapled, um, little tiny um, tacks. And it covers that inguinal canal so that you can't have your intestine go in it. And then it get, eventually gets covered by um, uh, your own tissue so it's not a mesh that's hitting your intestine. Now, here's the problem, is that it is a foreign body. Mm-hmm. And if you get bacteria on that, antibiotics won't kill it. And why? Because there's mm-hmm. no bloodstream into that foreign body. Mm-hmm. So it's almost impossible to disinfect when it's in there. How long mm-hmm. did it take before they took it out? Um, it's... The, the doctor or the surgeon just took it out um, about two months ago. And Dr. Repo, I guess mine was not that low. It was adjacent to my belly button. Okay, so you had an umbilical hernia. I've, again, I've had three. Uh, yeah, I had one. T- it's funny because he found out I had one there. It was the same time he did my um, my uh, inguinal hernia. Yeah. Okay, so are you any better yet since they took it out? Um, I'm still not completely healed. Um I'm still, you know, applying dressings to it, but it's still not completely healed. But I was just wondering if there's anything I could do that may would, you know, help it to heal. Well, you know, I don't think so. Um, is the outer skin infected too? Do you have an infection there or anything? Not, not right now. Uh-huh. I'm still applying bandages to it, but right. Oh. Now, it's not um, infected. Um, okay. Do they have you on? Do they have you on antibiotics? Not either. Okay. Sometimes, um, okay, here's the thing. Did they do a culture? Um, in other words, take a swab of the infected mesh and send it to the lab and find out just what kind of bacteria it was. Not, not that I'm aware of. Okay, check that. They, listen, they may have done that. And sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle. And the reason I'm saying that is because not all bacteria are the same. So, for example, if I've got a lady complaining of burning when they urinate, a lot of doctors will just throw an antibiotic at it. Mm-hmm. A lot of bacteria today are resistant to certain antibiotics. So, if you have an E. coli, sometimes Cipro won't work right. on it. So, I always say, okay, let's send the bacteria, I mean, the urine out for a culture. Mm-hmm. I'll start you on a guess antibiotic. 
Mm-hmm. And then when the culture comes back, if it works, we'll continue it. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, we'll switch. So they may, and, and usually they do. And so what you might do is ask your surgeon, did you culture it? If so, can you look at the culture for me and tell me if the antibiotic you got me on is going to kill that bacteria? One of the reasons why you might not be healing quickly is because the antibiotic they have you on doesn't kill the particular type of bacteria you have in you. And so that's... Dr. Weefall, I, I took antibiotics for about uh, 10 days after yeah. the last uh, operation. But right. I'm not currently on it yet. And it didn't, you're not better. Not, so one of the things... Now. What's that? He's not on Right, antibiotics and you're not better. Now. Right. So it could have been, and I'm not saying this is true, it could have been that the bacteria you have in you yeah. It was not susceptible to being killed by the antibiotic that had you on. Right. So check with, this is my advice. Call your surgeon up or and say, you know, I, I don't know, what it, are you, do you have a hospital situation where you can get on your own chart? Like UNC has my chart, Wake has the same yeah. thing. Get yeah, on I there. Yeah, and see if they have a culture on there. And okay. you might be able to tell yourself. They might, mm-hmm. you might be able to pull it up. And say, oh, I had this type of, oh, that antibiotic wasn't going to work. Yeah. Okay. So that's my advice. That's what I would do since you're not healing. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Let us know what what happens. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. This is Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down. Some people just need to be shouted out. Yeah, Donna, Donna Countryman, a frequent caller to the show. Yeah. And, you know, top of the pantheon of the millennia cardiovascular we fall patient. <laughs> and her daughter, yeah. uh, Heather Pardue. Heather um, has Down syndrome and trisomy 21, um, where she has three chromosomes, number 21 chromosomes. Wonderful, sweet person. Yes. And she's in her 40s and has a pacemaker, had open heart surgery when she was a widow, widow baby, and um, fell and broke her ankle. Oh, my. And so I just got a picture by text of this pink cast, and she's smiling. Yeah. And so I want to shout her out. Um, a prime example of uh, someone who thrives despite challenges, both physical and developmental, mm-hmm. because of a loving mother. And a loving community, and a doctor who loves her too. Yeah. And uh, Heather, get well. It's no fun having a broken ankle. And it's no fun having a cast. Do you ever have a cast? Yeah. Did you itch? Yeah. Did you get the back scratcher? And, and, and there's nothing. There's nothing that makes you feel worse than having a cast in the summer. Yeah. You know, it's sweaty. And yeah. Everybody else is playing. Yeah. Right. Have you ever used a knee scooter? Oh, yeah, I hate those. Well, actually, I, I like them. I think they work. If I broke my ankle, I get a knee scooter. My daughter uh, fell off her horse, yeah. got a spiral fracture. Uh, so the, the foot got stuck in the stirrup Ooh. and it twisted, and it, like a spiral fracture of the fibula. And um, she got screws up the wazoo, you know, oh, in there, and a uh, cast. And she use the knee scooter, and yeah. it worked. She got yeah. all, scooted all over the place. So I'm not so sure Heather would do well with a knee scooter, but 
um, I love them. If I you've broken your ankle, yeah. ask your orthopedist about getting a knee scooter. I I have a, a, a foot doctor who is constantly trying to get me onto, you know, like if I have a problem, he'll put me in the big boot and then I'll say, you need to be in a scooter. You got need to have that scooter. And I, I think it's dangerous for me. I get on an incline. I just go, wee. All right. So you got a Florida story that you didn't tell me, but you told me you were going to tell me Florida. Oh, yeah. The state of Florida. <laughs> What? Now, uh, this has nothing to do with medicine. Oh, okay. It's That's just, fine. to me, a prime example of the difference between the generations. Okay. okay. So, obviously, I'm a baby boomer. I was born, baby boomers from 49 to mm-hmm. 1965. Mm-hmm. So, there's now uh, the millennials, and they're actually getting old. You yeah. know, they're in their 40s now. <laughs> My yeah. daughter's a millennial. I can't believe she's in her 30s. Yeah. But then there's Generation Z, Gen Zs, Mm -hmm. and their music is so different. I mean, music to me stopped at Billy Joel. Okay, now there's some things from the 2000s that I'll listen to. You know, um, Alanis Morissette, a few things like that. But um, Fox News has in the morning a show called, uh, what's it called? Um, Fox and Friends. Yeah. And in the summer, they have concerts. Okay. okay. So, what are their normal concerts? Uh, normal. What are their usual concerts? Country music stars. Okay. So I turn it on, and there's this rap guy, uh, and a black rap singer on Fox News, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. And he's really good. Um, he was rapping and singing, and it was all about happy stuff. It was all about loving each other, uh, and you know, loving your family and everything, and all everybody. You know, it was a, it was a. a a crowd of both black and white people at the place jumping up and down. I yeah. thought it was wonderful. Yeah. So on the back there is the name of his his name that his rap name. Yeah. And it's Florida. F L O R I D A. Yeah. So I thought that's neat. The guy's from Florida. So later on that day, I had a young black patient. He's got sickle cell anemia. <laughs> and I said, Hey, I saw this rapper on Fox <laughs> News. His name was Florida. And he looks at me, ain't no rapper named Florida. And he thinks for a second, he starts laughing his ass off. And he says, you mean Florida. Florida. It's like, will I am instead of William. So Florida, no. If you say Florida, you are definitely not hip. You are a millennial. If you use hip in a sentence, you're definitely not hip. What's that? Who's? Huh? Yeah. Uh, Josh. Ch- Josh, are you listening? Did you know Flo Rida? No, he's, he's, oh, not, he's not listening. He's not. I was, I was going to see if if our uh, if our uh, technical guy back there knew I, Flo. I, I, and I, I guarantee you, our the people who listen to our show, yeah, yeah, would yeah. have all said it's Florida. Yeah. Flo Rida. F L O R I D A. Flo. Flo Rida. Rida. All right. Yeah. Got about a minute. I got no more stories. I do. I do. What do you have? Um, There is something from Duke. You know, we are so lucky to have Duke in this area. Yeah. And uh, 11 weeks old, Stevie Kessner, he was just not doing well. Right. And was basically dying. And I don't know. 
I've never heard of this, and right. I went to Johns Hopkins. Yeah. Biotin thiamine responsive basal ganglia disease. And this is where your nerves in your head are just deteriorating. Right. And all you need is two vitamins. And how they found this out, I don't know. But they just started giving them biotin, which is a B vitamin. Right. And thiamine, which is a B vitamin. Right. And the baby got better. We are so lucky to have Duke in our area. Well, this is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. 